0: One thing I've noticed, it's hard getting noticed You can't please everyone, but winners don't quit and quitters don't win, win,
1: win, win. It's, it's like in art and in love, it's like, hey, one and one makes three oh, I see. One and one, it does, music, if it makes two, you fail, my friends, you know If, if you're painting and you, all you got is a paint and a canvas, you fail You've got to find that, that third thing that you don't completely understand But that is truly coming up from inside
0: Yo Welcome back to So You Wanna Be An Artist, the only podcast that's for the artists, by the artists. This week has been a funny one, um, kind of been struggling a little bit for inspiration. Last week I had that stupid text message that really fired me up and this week I've kind of been um, struggling for inspiration of what to talk about um, before I get into my guest interview and then I decided to talk about what i was going for. i was i'm going to talk about what to do when you have a lack of inspiration um so the first thing i have to get into is something that i believe um the way we pull our creativity from uh, i call it the creative cloud um it could be called divine inspiration um, and basically i believe all creativity is sourced from one place the same way that like Light and heat comes from the sun. I believe that all creativity comes from like some ethereal cloud or some higher power. The only thing is, is that you don't get to choose when you're stricken with this inspiration or this creativity. And you know those life changing, perspective altering moments where you create something that you never even thought that you could. You create it and you're like, oh shit. I made this. Like, and you actually can't even fathom the fact that you have just made something that is so sick. Those moments of clarity where you realise you're a little bit less deluded than you thought you were. Since you can't choose when that 1% of divine inspiration comes to you, you have two choices that you can make. The first choice which I feel like I've been doing quite a lot this week actually, is you can sit and you can beat yourself up for not being good enough, for for hitting some kind of block, for feeling like you haven't got anything to say. You can stare at a blank canvas, you can sit there motionless at a piano, you can fall into the abyss of a blank page, just waiting for a moment that inspiration hits you, and probably while you're not looking. Or... Option two, you can keep on your toes, you can sit behind that same piano, you can hit any key, even if it sounds shit, just getting to know without any expectation of creation, so that when that small window of inspiration opens up, you're ready to get as much as you can out of it. You can throw paint on the canvas and try to get to know yourself a little bit better, to familiarise yourself with the things that don't work, so that when inspiration strikes, you know all of the things that will work. When you're not inspired, you have two options, to sit around and wait, or to sharpen your tools so that when inspiration finds you, you're ready to make the most of it. So that's what I've been doing this week. I've been sitting behind the, the, the piano, I've been, I've been drawing a lot, I've been pfft, watching tutorials, I've just been honing in on my skills, because um, I don't have much of them, I've been honing in on my skills so that when that moment comes where I feel something or something sets fire inside of myself, that my, my standard of skill is up to the emotion that I'm feeling and the inspiration that I've been given. Um, So, yeah, and I guess kind of a B side of that is that if we're all pulling from the same pond, if we're all drinking from the same well of creativity, that means anybody can do it. Anybody can drink from the well. Any- everybody's creative. It's just about productivity and making sure that when inspiration comes to you, everybody gets inspired at some point. When that inspiration comes, you need to be ready to strike, basically. Yeah, it's just something that's been playing over my mind this week. Um, whenever your head is down, whenever you feel like you're blocked or that you just can't create, create something, even if it's shit, because you need to make sure you're ready. Moving on. Special guest of this week, the very important, the very incredible Rosie Lowe. This is her song, Woman. Uh, man, it's starting to sound like a radio DJ. Run a track.
2: I don't expect you to understand You can't imagine how I'm feeling I can't admit it to myself So where would I even begin? Cause I'm a proud I must be proud, woman And I am strong, woman I must be strong, woman It's too painful to even think about So it would kill me to say it out loud. This time I thought I'd worked it out So if you don't mind, I'll leave it for now And stay a proud woman I must be proud woman Cause I am strong Be a man
0: My guest on the podcast this week is an incredible artist, an incredible woman, and an incredible human being, Miss Rosie Lowe. Hi. Hi. How are you? (laughs)
1: Lovely. Thanks for the introduction. That's fine. That's fine.
0: (laughs) Um, The first question I ask everybody on the podcast, what is art?
1: I would say art is an expression, I think it's just that. And whoever it is for is, you know, different. It depends how you want to put it out. Yeah, an expression.
0: So what makes you the artist that you are?
1: I guess my my background has a huge part of it. Um, but for me, art is about being really honest and um, kind of accepting where I'm at. Um, I'm not thinking I'm the best version of myself. <laughs> I've got a lot more to learn and a lot more developing to do, but I think that it's just about being honest for where you're at. So that's kinda of what I'm trying to do and, and and expressing myself for where I'm at right now as well.
0: So where are you at right now?
1: I picked my first album out, which is which is really scary and exciting. And um, you know, I'm twenty six years old so I'm I'm kinda had a really tough few years just going through what I think a lot of people do, getting to know themselves when, from ages like you know 23 to 26, or wherever that, whenever that may be, and, and um, it's been really tough, and it's been really great as well. Like, I've got to know myself more in the last two years than I have ever before, so it's been like, it's been, yeah, it's been big, it's been a big few years, and I've put a lot of that into my music. So I we'll come to back to that.
0: 23 to 26 mm. in a little while let's try take it back before that tell me about growing up where did you grow up
1: i grew up in devon in a, a little house my dad built a little bungalow dad built it my dad built it yeah he, he's lived there for 40 years now wow um on so he built this little wooden hut uh, kind of chalet kind of vibe in the middle of uh he he got he bought 12 acres and then built it on there and he had six children wow and i'm the youngest of six and the house i mean it's amazing it's in it's a 45 minute walk to a neighbor you know or a shop or it's like it's in the middle of nowhere you're really kind of hidden um but it is one of the most amazing places in the world to me anyway and we had a huge amount of freedom there you know it's kind of backwards it's the same now as it was then, I mean, it's a bit better now. We've got, like, electricity and there's actually So you didn't have there. electricity or internet? Not when I was really young. Yeah. No, 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 no internet, no TV. Couldn't get a TV because it's in a valley. Um, there's no heating there. So if you want heat there still, you light a fire. If you want hot water, you light a fire. So it's still the same now. I went back there and wrote my album and it's quite opposite to my life in London but it's really grounding and it reminds you to be thankful for the little things in life like turning on the heating switch and stuff like that <laughs> yeah and I think I think it had a huge um, well it had it's a huge reason why I'm doing music apart from the fact that I was born into like a really creative household my dad's a saxophonist and my mum's an artist Um. we didn't ha- we didn't get home and sit in front of the Simpsons or or whatever the chuckles or whatever they're called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's like it was the way that we communicated was through being creative whether that be like drawing or for me music and I guess that's how I found my it was my way to like my, my language really was through that and and like being really open through music that was a place that I felt really safe to be completely vulnerable.
0: So at what age were you really starting to make music?
1: Well I picked up violin and piano age five um, I was always singing so i um I fell in love with jazz singers really young, and that's probably a lot to do with my dad as well, but particularly ella Fitzgerald and I used to um you know my dad used to take me around to all the he used to teach saxophone. And I used to sit in the car to this backing track that he got me, a Bella Fitzgerald. <laughs> and I used to um, memorize every lyric and melody. And basically, she was, I guess, the first woman that, that really made me want to be a singer. But then I wanted to learn every instrument as well. So, like, you know, there's, it's funny because your PR story gets taken a bit out of control in this industry sometimes. And before I know it, I was reading like, you know, Rosie,
0: uh, reading sheep absolutely
1: music, yeah. Two absolutely years old. smashed out six instruments by the age of <laughs> 11 yeah I did play six instruments by the age of 11 but not very well because mm. i was play you know you don't you don't play you, you don't do that much very well it's like you know master of all trades what is it Jack of all trades that's it master and none master of all trades <laughs> jack of none <laughs> um so that was the point that I was like okay I, I like you know you can't practice and actually put what you need to into into that i guess the most naturally to me became singing yeah. and saxophone so so yeah i mean I, I was always doing that and then i was always writing music from a At really what young age, age. Were,
0: you, were you writing your first songs seven eight what were they about
1: oh they're probably bullshit. i mean i <laughs> i suffered from from insomnia from a really young age so the song that i wrote then was called insomnia blues <laughs> and um I guess that was probably, I, I don't know, I'd say like when I was earlier, when I, before that, when I was younger, writing stuff, it was real for where I was at, probably. Um, it was just part of the development, but I guess I guess that was, that felt really real at the time. I love the art of songwriting and, and that's where I really feel at home, I'd say.
0: And what, what age did you move to London?
1: 18, no, 18? 18, 18, yeah.
0: What for? What made you come here?
1: Well, I've been doing all this writing with loads of different people in, in America a bit and doing all that, and, and it was quite poppy, the stuff that I was writing at that time. And I felt a bit embarrassed about the music that was coming out of that. So it just didn't feel right for me, but it didn't feel, you know, I was writing it as well. So I, I was really confused about what I wanted to sound like. and And I felt like, I guess I was doing, I was in a jazz band from a really young age. I was doing soul. I was also singing for a hip-hop group. I was doing, like, some folky stuff. So I was I was a bit confused because yeah. I was doing all of this stuff and I didn't know really what fit me. Now, I went to Goldsmiths University and I wasn't going to go to uni. And then I went through clearing to Goldsmiths. And I got in and... Um, yeah, it kind of changed my life, really. I moved to South East London and I really hated it for two years. And I, I you know, I, I didn't... Goldsmiths doesn't pick people for their technical ability or, like, how much they know or how much they... or if they can read or whatever. They, they pick people on, on having something that's, like, a bit unique about them. So I was put in this class with all these people that had a really definite sound to them. And I guess that was what everyone did have. Like, you know, um you'd be put in these groups of people that couldn't read music, but it didn't matter. They had a really <laughs> they had a really defined sound, I felt at that time. And I felt like I didn't and I was really confused.
0: How'd that make you feel about all those hours that you'd put into learning all of those instruments and learning to read and all of that stuff?
1: Well, you know what's funny is I never um I've never done music with an idea of I want to be an artist. I never I, I guess I always wanted to be a singer. Mm-hmm. I always but I always wanted to be a musician, so that was never like I never defined what that was. Um, I never really had an idea about what that was. I knew what I didn't what I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to be teaching at that point. I wanted I wanted to be successful in music, but at no point did I think that that was an artist or a front woman. I wanted to be writing, but I thought maybe that was for other people. Or in the music industry, I didn't know anything about the industry at that point, really. So, um, so I guess like it wasn't like heartbreaking at that point that I didn't have a sound. I guess it was more of like an identity crisis for me, because I was just like, why does everyone else? That's have a sound worse than heartbreak.
0: <laughs> I guess it is in many
1: ways. But, I mean, I've, I've probably had a few in my life. I've got lots more to come, you know. Um, but yeah, and then and then. It was on the third year of, of Goldsmiths, and they, they they don't really um they don't like mother you through that course at all. You're left to your own devices completely. You don't really get much face to face time, and that's just what that university is. That like it's realistic for when you get out of here, and mm. and um, they just support you and give you kind of projects and off you go. So there was one course in the last year, as in the third year, and it was a songwriting course, and you had to put you had to write four songs and you had to put a limitation in place. And my limitation was um, to not go to the piano anymore, or the guitar, or all of these instruments that, that were actually really holding me back mm. because technically I wasn't as advanced as my ears were. So I, I'd have these ideas of like, oh man, I got that amazing idea in the shower. Get out, run down the stairs to my piano and I'd, I wouldn't be able to find what I wanted and before I know it, the idea's gone. So I set myself the limitation to only do these songs with just my voice and I um, bought a Mac and I bought Logic uh, software and that was the moment for me where everything changed because I didn't have to rely on anyone, Um, I didn't have to rely on men to finish what I started, I didn't have to, all women, I didn't have to rely on anyone, I only had to rely on myself and more than anything i could i could sing everything that i imagined which was it was just like so freeing that moment was like oh my god and the stuff that was coming didn't sound like i couldn't box it i didn't really think about it it just felt really really right and then um you know it felt like quite quite scary actually but but really right and these songs came really quickly and then um i went back into class to play it and and everyone was like super excited about it and and then that that kind of paved my way really I've never stopped writing like that since and and it's just the right way for me.
0: Do you think education was important then?
1: Yeah I mean I mean with with the university from doing a course in music I wouldn't say is like necessary for uh, it's no one's gonna look You know, I got first in music, who gives a shit? No one's ever asked, you know? But to have three three years to be able to hone in on your craft and to explore and to listen and learn, that's amazing. So yeah, I think education is absolutely key. I do think a lot with creativity though, it's like you learn all this stuff and then you spend the rest of your life trying to unlearn it. Because essentially the best creativity is experiment a five-year-old who's like completely open to make a fool of themselves they don't even they don't have all those ideas of what making a fool of yourself is by that age you know they're in the sandpit and they're getting dirty and for me that's what that's what making's
0: about really do you find yourself forcing limitations on you now just to see how you would deal with them because that sounds like a really good exercise to give yourself a limitation say all right what am i comfortable with piano let me not touch it let me see what i can do instead do you put those limitations on yourself now
1: you know what I, I haven't since which is a I don't know why I haven't I think that I found a way something that worked <laughs> I found something that worked for me and I've gone with it but I think the limitations are, are, are the the way to get something interesting really yeah. out and I definitely should go and do that again I mean I did have like the the simplest setup for my Logic, my my studio as well, and I was on Logic Nine, and it was like a mic.
0: I'd still know people that are on Logic Nine. That's I'm I'm still on Logic. Yeah, 9. a lot of I people still I've on. got Logic
1: Ten, but blah, it's too it's too clean for me. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, I just had like the simplest setup, and it was cheap, you know. It was, but it worked. It was like no fucking around. It fucking worked. I knew what I was getting. I could just go and do the stuff. And then when I signed my deal, I I was really encouraged to go and get uh, all this new equipment. Like, yeah, go and get Universal Audio, this. Blah, blah, blah. So I got it. I, f- I hate it.
0: Still in the box. <laughs> yeah, and I
1: feel like that was my limit. It was a bit limiting what yeah. I had, but I think some of the best material I've written was from that time because because it was me my mic and my computer you know and 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 that's fine like i I don't need loads of shit around me really to get creative
0: talk me through the emotions of finding something that works for yourself putting it out there and then having it received by an audience but then also by the industry how does that feel to then have managers and labels and prs then sniffing around and telling you that you should get this and you should get that and you should do this and you should do that. What, what What's the thought process and the emotion behind when that happens?
1: It's a really good question. It's really hard. It's really hard because you're so vulnerable and you're putting, basically, I see music as a little bit like my baby. So I've I've spent time with it, I've created it, <laughs> and it's so personal to me. All my music's incredibly personal. Um, and you've got an idea and you've you've had an experience of it, you know, so it's like, it's something very different to you than it is to anybody else. Just by that point alone, you, so you've got a relationship with it. I actually find it a lot easier to put something out to the audi- an audience, um, who actually I think are a lot more accepting than, a lot of people in the industry because they've got an idea Hmm. of what you should sound like or what you could sound like or what's going to make their job easier essentially um that I find really hard because at that point you're you're essentially talking about compromise I'm not very good at compromising but I don't compromise with my music um I think audiences you it's like kind of well, you like it or you don't. And that's what I love about music is it's a it's a choice and everyone's got an opinion and everyone's allowed an opinion and everyone's ears are different. And yeah, I think I think that's what's amazing about art and expression is it's like take it or leave it. I do think the internet's quite dangerous for like people really feel like their opinion's so valid now and everyone needs to hear it. That yeah. pisses me off. Like, you know, some of my friends who make incredible music and I sometimes look and there's like a negative comment on something, I'm like, just don't fucking leave it. Because you know what, that is so personal to that person. I don't know where this idea of that creatives are completely solid and invincible came from. (laughs) Because they're actually the most insecure people in the world. Yeah. Yeah, you're putting your heart on the line. So actually, you know what, you don't need to hear that shit. And I've had that a lot in my time. It's like, you know, people saying after a gig, and how was that for you? So like, don't ask me how that was you know in in a really kind of particular way I would way. always
0: ask that to someone because emotionally do. I would want to know how that feels to have people sit there and listen to you bare your soul like I kind of think live performances are actually pretty sick like they're pretty twisted because let's take someone like you, your music's so personal, Mm. to watch you sit on stage, it must be torture because you're having to relive those same emotions that you captured in the songs Mm. over and over again. So if you're talking about um, a broken heart or losing somebody you love, for some money or whatever, you're having to relive those experiences. So I always am wondering, how does it feel to go back to those places?
1: Yeah, but totally. But Canis, you ask it in like that. Yeah. That's like lovely. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about is if someone comes up to you after a show and it's silent, they don't say anything like, hey, that was wicked. Nice. Well done for getting up on stage and having to do that. Like, that's tough. It's just silence. Then how was that for you? Or something else, you know, like all the snares needed to come up or whatever. It's like, just don't, Mm. just, I just don't need that right now because I've just actually bared my soul you're an open wound like, and you're like an open wound and you're inviting me. everybody in essentially when you're putting music out and performing and I just think that I just think that the you know it, the industry and, and now social media and everything it invites everyone for their opinion yeah which is incredible for for all the lovely stuff that you get I mean I wouldn't I, w- I don't think I'd still be here if I hadn't had like the support I have from my audience last year yeah because it's been tough, and and that has been amazing, and has kept me going. And you know, the messages saying this song means this to me—it's like, well, that's what I do it for, basically. So, so that stuff's important. But I do think that there's this idea that artists are like invincible and protected because we're anything but. We're putting our, we're putting, you put everything on the line. Oh, I do at least,
0: yeah. I first heard about you. Was it 2013 when did you put Right Thing out? 2013. Around then, yeah. Um. I don't even think you'd put it out. I think it was because your PR at the time. I told me I need to check it out. But 2013, 2016, you're finally getting ready to release your first album. What's taken so long? Essentially, you've done university again. It feels like another three years of. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> trying to to figure it out or try to understand what it is you're going for.
1: You know what? There's. I guess it has been a while. I mean, 20 years ago, would that have been a while? Probably not. I mean, it's, it's a while now because people are so impatient and people want to hear stuff like, go, 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 which I, I completely respect because that's where we're at now. I would just had no interest in rushing this mm. process. It's my first album. And, like, yeah, I had some, like, positive vibes coming after Right Thing EP, but I just, I'm just, you know, I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I'm not interested in being like hot right now, gone tomorrow, which happens so often now. I'm just I just couldn't give a shit, basically. I want to make a really good album. The best thing that I can put out right now for where I'm at it's gotta be honest. And I was writing, I had I had a lot of the songs back then, and then I thought it was done. Then I was like, nah, I can I can make this better. I can make this better, and I will make this better. And then I finished it again and i was like it needs what it needs something else you could do that process forever yeah. but then it got to a point i was like yeah i'm i'm really proud of this that's the best thing that you can do because if i'm not proud of this then the next two years are going to be hell do you know what i mean because i've got to sing that over and over and over and over again and there were some songs on there, I was like, I, I don't, I'm kind of sick of s- singing that song now. So I probably won't put it on an album. <laughs> I have yeah. to, you know, continue to, you have to, I have to stand by the, behind this music so strongly, you know, so. <laughs>
2: um.
1: So I guess, I guess it has taken a while, but I've also had some, like, I've had some other stuff going on in that time and... I've yeah, I've like really needed to get to know myself and I you know, I got a really good therapist and I went in deep and, and I guess that's part of the reason why some of the music's coming out now. It's like, you know, these things all work in parallel. Why therapy? I think it's absolutely key. Why? Because it's so tough out here. <laughs> I think it's so hard and I think that we've all got history and the history our history basically makes us who we are now. It like it's almost like a little plasticine model that gets moulded with every little hit you've had or even a tiny little thing at a vulnerable age, you know. And and it's a reason why you respond to people in a certain way and it's a reason why you react in a certain way. I, for me it was just getting to know myself. I suffered from a lot of anxiety and i've suffered from insomnia for years mm. and i guess after the ep came out it was probably 2014 2000 it might have been actually last year in january um i think january was the heart of it but i think i got really depressed i still say i think because i don't really know what happened i don't I wasn't, think
0: you ever really do you only really I, know in hindsight
1: it feels like and it feels like a dream like a bad bad dream um But I I got really down, and the last thing that I could do was write, and I remember Dave Akumu, my producer, saying, um, and, like, my best friend, just saying, like, the worst thing that you can do right now is to push yourself to write, like, that is the, that's dangerous, actually, chill the fuck out, like, take some time out, and get inspired, lie in bed all day, watch your senders all day if that's what you want, just, like, have some time out, stop putting pressure on yourself to be this superwoman because no one is you know it's unrealistic and therapy got me through that it was just like getting to know myself and now I can recognize when when something's going to be unkind for myself so I just won't put myself in situations that are going to be really unkind to me or I see that my self-critics coming in telling myself like oh that was a shit performance you idiot um you're crap you can't sing all of that stuff and it's like wow like She's, like, recognising that and and having tabs on those parts of you and just, like, just understanding yourself. I think it's key, and I think everyone should go to therapy. I'll go for the rest of my life, every week.
0: Do you think it needs to be a therapist, like, a a qualified therapist? Or do you think that it's just the act of venting and just externalising the things that you scream to yourself on the inside that helps? Like, for me, would you say, go see a therapist, or would you just say speak to somebody or have a conversation with Mm. somebody like these things the things that you talk about with your therapist are they things that you've ever spoke about with anybody before or was this yeah they were yeah I mean what about the therapist I'm not a closed person well yeah but um, what I'm interested in is what about the therapist made it okay
1: I wouldn't say, like, you have to go to a trained therapist or anything, but I think that a degree of separation is really, really healthy. Yeah. Um, Because it's someone that doesn't know your history or your past or how you respond to things to be like, why did you respond to that question like that? You know, it's just noticing things that others may not.
0: Complete impartial.
1: Complete impartial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like... It's kind of like...
0: They're kind of like, like a mirror. It's like inviting
1: someone in. that they're, they're a mirror. That's it. You know, my... My, my I actually go to a life coach. Um, so she's had lots of like different aspects of therapy and and education and stuff. but but she is a complete mirror. She just needs to ask me one question and I've already answered it yeah by how it's made me feel her asking me that question, you know. and that stuff's amazing. I mean, I'm really open. And I speak to my best friend Nicole every single day and my boyfriend and me have a really open and honest relationship, and I've got my music there are three pretty strong like
0: outlets outlets
1: there but for me i just need that that extra one like i've never got to know myself so much through that person i just think it's a i think it's important but yeah i mean anyone anyone's better than no one you
0: know why is it why is that such a constant thread through artists and creatives
1: because you're in touch with your emotions every day and because you're expressing yourself like if, if you're like if you're in a job where you you get to But you're switching off, basically, from that part of you. Then, then that stuff probably isn't going to be as raw and as 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 prevalent as if you're doing that every day. And I think that being creative and having to be creative sometimes really pushes you to the limit. Like it really does. Like having to kind of having to, um, you know, create brilliance on demand it's not really realistic but apart from that it's like a it's a practice you have to practice being connected to yourself over and over again um which is an amazing thing and a really hard
0: thing on demand from who
1: from yourself i hear
0: that so when you said that you felt like you had to be superwoman all the time was that self-inflicted or was the world expecting you to be superwoman at the same time
1: totally myself i've always had this idea of this uh, idea of perfection, and that goes down to my voice as well. Like, I give myself a really, really hard time about my voice. If I, if I sing one note wrong in a gig, that's it. Like I, I am going to be putting all my energy on that note for days to come. You know, I've stayed in bed for three days after gigs before because it's tough. You know, um, and no, that's that's totally myself and society a bit. You know, like I think that there needs to be an education or an openness to to teach that actually vulnerability is strength and, and not the other way around. Like Vulnerability is kind of taught as being weak and like, get up, brush yourself off, go. And actually, like, I don't know, I, I don't think that that ends well.
0: Is that a female thing? What? what that uh... expectation to be superwoman.
1: I think that men have an expectation to be Superman too and the hero. So no, I don't think it's a female thing. I think we've all got really unrealistic um, expectations put on us, totally. It probably goes back to bloody Disney books or some shit like that. But um, yeah, I just think the female one is, is, is so tied in with how visually you're perceived and, and I'm just so bored of it I really am and and I worry uh, about the younger generation men and women um, and that's the I, for me I'd say that that's the, big, the biggest difference I mean I think it's getting more and more prevalent for men as well but this idea of beauty for women is that's just so unrealistic and I think it's really it's something that I'm really passionate about what's
0: unrealistic about it? Well, what what are the things that that people think is beauty now?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, but it, it's not realistic. Like this this airbrushed, um, this airbrushed image that has been fucked with and stretched and so messed around with before it goes out is then seen as the norm for all women, is and young girls is absolutely ridiculous like when on earth did that become acceptable i do not know and why do i adhere to that as well i'm as bad as the rest well of course i do so when you
0: do magazine shoots they touch you up and you don't
1: no, no 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 i'm quite particular about that actually but but um of course i'm like of course, I sometimes check out my thighs and I'm like, I wish they were thinner. And of course, I'm like, oh man, like I need to get rid of that cellulite. Or of course, I'm like, oh, I've got a shoot, I need to diet. Or I'm, I've never actually been on a diet in my life, but well, apart from a no sugar diet. Apart from my yeah. no sugar diet, but that was for, for a Chinese doctor. That was for headaches. Right. Um, but I think that I think that I think that there's an unrealistic image, and I think that we're all. <clears throat> Guilty for playing a part in that and I think social media is a huge part now And I just can't imagine how hard it must be for young girls now (coughs) Sorry, because I remember how hard it was when I was young You know when I was 12 I wanted a boob job Because at that point my boobs weren't big enough You know to the boys around me or like this idea of beauty then And then I was called anorexic for years and that, but that was like a horrible, awful thing for me because I'm naturally really thin. My mom's thin, I've got a quick metabolism, but it was only a few days ago that, you know, a member of the family was, was saying to the family that they don't think I eat enough, which is, again, it's like, that's not acceptable either. Like, you wouldn't go and say that person's eating, you know. Too much. Your niece is eating too much, she's she's obese. Why is that acceptable either? But there's basically it's never good enough, is it? Mm. Like always always striving for more. And yeah, I guess that there's this idea of superwoman and being able to do it all and being chilled. And if you're assertive, then you're mad. And I've, I've come a, a, across that quite a, a lot in, in kind of having to be a businesswoman and being really aware of what, what would be assertive for a man is like high maintenance for a woman.
0: But you do... You recently did a shoot with L.
1: hmm
0: Aren't they one of the companies that would airbrush um, a girl or try... And, they're one of the ones that... Um, cultivate that ideal woman image. So does that cause a conflict for you to be involved with that company, but then at the same time disagree with some of the stuff that they represent?
1: I... Don't think that it's down to one or two or three magazines. I just don't. I think don't even think it's down to the fashion industry, full stop. I think that this is a much bigger issue, and one that's been going on for years and years and years. And <clears throat> the truth is, if Elle put out photos of unairbrushed, un or like unaugmented, unchanged images. Women as well as men would probably be shocked and unattracted to it, would turn the page quicker than the rest, probably. It's really depressing but probably because we've been fed this image of perfection for so long that when you don't see it, it's like brainwashing. It's brainwashing and I think that it needs to start from the bottom up again in education. I don't think, of course, I would love there to be a much more realistic idea of a woman In magazines and I am the first person that would love that I see the industry I see the whole issue as a much larger problem so yeah like of course some parts of the fashion industry I really find hard like I if someone's unhealthy looking and it's all unrealistic it's all ridiculous it's it's all like surely it's gonna change any minute but the best I can do is promote my message, which is music. And yeah, there's platforms that are doing that, but they were shooting me doing a song about being a woman and how sick of it all I am. So my message is, I feel like gonna do much more being on that platform than not being on that platform. Also, I don't know. I think that I think that there just needs to be more education in it that's that's basically what I think it is and I'd rather go on I'd rather be on a magazine I'm really healthy I am a healthy girl I go to the gym I'm healthy never been on a diet and I'd rather be there talking about that than, than a 16 year old girl who's been told that she's 4 inches too big on her waist which happens all the time unfortunately
0: well, a lot of female creation at the moment is driven to well the best female creations are driven towards that message like isn't don't you feel it's such a shame that it has to be about that now like it has to be women have to make songs about that it's okay to be feminine or like they have to make songs that try to justify femininity when it's like why should you have to do that? Why would you have to make a song about being a proud woman?
1: I guess because it's something that, as a woman, I experience every day. So it's like a very big part of my life. Um, Yeah, it is sad, but if the murmurs of like, there's still such a denial that there's a problem. There's such a denial. I hear it from men, women and men saying that oh, there's no problem here. There is a problem here and the sooner that we can kind of all accept that and stand up and be like, yeah, we're all feminists, men and women, which means equality and nothing else, um, the better. I mean, it's not equal still, so of course it's gonna still be shouted from the rooftops and I'm gonna be flying that flag high for as long as I can to to just recognise the young, People are handled. People are like, yeah, it's tough and it's not okay. It's not acceptable. It's not you know, I believe I'm I believe in equal rights for everybody and and that includes women and men. I think I'd be doing the same with us men. I dunno. I think it's one of those issues that is probably if people feel passionately about anything then they're gonna Put that into their art and so many women feel passionately about this because they still don't feel equal and they still feel like they have to shout so loud to be heard maybe it's uncomfortable for people hearing about it maybe it's uncomfortable hearing it's, it doesn't
0: make me uncomfortable at all
1: well maybe it i know that a lot of people's response is like all oh, right here we go again she's talking about that again or whatever but i just feel like that i uh, i don't know i talk about a lot of other stuff too yeah but as a woman, I experience this every single day, and a lot of my friends do. And I've, you know, I've got, I've got incredible women around me that are still looking at putting their value on what they look like instead of what they know and how much change they're doing in the world and how much good they're doing. That affects me hugely. That makes me more sad than anything. It affects me on a day-to-day basis. And it makes me concerned for my children. So I'm going to write about that because I, I write about anything that that is like a big part of my life and that is such a big part of my life like if I could change do anything for change it's going to be in that for, for the younger generation to have more equality because without equality well it's just not it's not a good place to start really.
0: I just can't wait for the playing fields to be equal so that the women have an equal platform and then they can really mm-hmm. start making change in the world if you know what mm. i mean i mean so i think to, lots the women are yeah they they'll make change, that change and mm-hmm. they'll make the playing field equal and then they can actually change the way the world works they'll mm-hmm. get the justice that they deserve and they'll get the equal say and then from then on they can actually start making the world a less male dominated place mm. and then we can start getting a real honest truthful message
1: do you not think you well? are getting an honest, truthful message from women?
0: Yeah, I, I am, 100%. Mm. And what I'm saying is I can't wait for that to stop mm. so that the power can then shift into, like, a female perspective and then women can run the world, essentially.
1: No, but that, that's the thing. I don't I don't think that women should run the world. That wouldn't be a great place either, short, nor should men. It should be, you know, we need men and women. You know, we need both perceptions of both because... We're half and half in this world, you know. So, so we're we're all the same, basically. Half and half isn't a good isn't a good. I um
0: actually I think women are better. <laughs> Do you? I think that men have just burnt the earth into the ground and literally have just fucking made it such a terrible place. And I feel like most of the stuff now that we have, we either disagree with or that we don't like, is has come from a man. So I feel like. Even if it's for a short period of time, please just fucking hand the, the, the ship over to women happens. and just see what happens. Please let them get it back on course. I mean,
1: there's a lot of bad women in the world too, to be honest. But um, but but yeah, I'd be I I would be interested to see what happened if Parliament was fifty-fifty. My God, it'd be a different place. If it was even a lot less
0: moo. Yeah.
1: It's like fucking cattle. But then cattle you do have,
0: yeah, you do have some women mooing.
1: You have some women mooing in there too.
0: But yeah, yeah, I just, I just, uh, I would just love to see what a female-dominated world would look like instead of what we have now, which is quite clearly a male. I'd like to see what what a like equally
1: dominated world look like. That that would be really exciting. And actually, I don't think we're like, I don't think we're a million miles off, but we are still a way off.
0: How can art help?
1: Well, just expressing the issue. I think that, I think that we uh, well, I think if women are good role models in all fields, then if there are women that are able to be on those platforms and be good role models, like bass players and drummers and, and guitarists as well as singers and the front women, Um, I think that that's amazing because it will encourage more girls to be in this industry for other things than just at the front of stage singing and and there's a lot based on what you look like.
0: Beyonce has an all female band.
1: She does. Like, the guitarist is phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I remember the guitarist. Her drummer as well. Her amazing. is amazing. It's incredible. Her whole setup was so sick. Yeah. What artists are you feeling at the moment?
1: Um, there's so much good music coming out at the moment. I love Nick Hakim, um, I love Little Sims. I love Jordan Rakai, I love Kieran Kai, I could go on all day actually, um, the Invisibles album's about to come out which I listened on the way to, on, on the way to, on the way to, <laughs> I listened to On The Way Over Here which was phenomenal, I'm so excited about that coming out. Um, I mean there's so much good music now, it's hard to know where to start I think. And I try not to listen to too much music when I'm writing, so I kind of have really dry patches and then like just try and digest as much as I can and then um, go back. But I, um, the most exciting release recently for me was Erica
0: Badu. Yeah, you, oh, is you can't is. use I'm, my phone. That I'm song with Andre 3000, is
1: oh, Hello is so good. It's too much, it's too much. That is, honestly, I haven't, I can't put that on without smiling and dancing. It's like, it's, yeah, it's
0: my jam right now erica is queen
1: she literally is she's she's really co-inspired me to to be able to do it all you know she was the first woman that was like well, not the first but she was the woman for me that i was like you can you can write and produce and do it and be completely in control of your craft and my god does she do it with style like, i just think that she's amazing yeah
0: how important is it for you to not have to rely on anybody mm-hmm. when you're creating
1: for me, it's important not to have to rely on anybody, and then that stuff becomes a choice. For me, it's really important because I feel like in the way that I write, I'm feeling something really strongly, and then I write and I try and capture that emotion, and that that process that process happens really quickly. Um. So for me, like, yeah, it's really important to be able to capture that on my own in my own kind of vulnerability and in a safe place where i can i can try and capture that really quickly and then after that it's a choice like i've i've had dave doing the production on this album and there's no one else i wanted to really do it and 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 he's he's just been phenomenal to work with but that stuff having the choice to do that and not it being like completely necessary to finishing anything i think is really important for me
0: cool thank you for coming through yeah. yeah
1: cool thank you uh, the,
0: what i always do with artists when they come in mm-hmm. is they always play me out on piano play you out on piano
1: yeah <laughs> i love that all right <laughs> i all have right. to set
0: you up a channel real quick let's, let's
1: do it let's do it what do you want nothing oh well want.